Punkt. Welcome to the United Way, episode 14. I'm Al Foran. I'm Damien Broderick. And we are in the wake oh, <laughs> of, the, of the Manchester Derby. How many positive episodes have we had? One. <laughs> we had all, all the episodes that we've done before the season started were like gleaming and positive and encouraging. And since we've had one. We had a, a jokey one. Yeah, after the Burnley. After the Burnley yeah. game. And then I think after... Palace in the Cup was a bit of a good one because we had a decent performance but other than yeah. that other than that it was dire it's been atrocious yeah before we get into the game I had you have to uh, um, address something here yeah yeah so <laughs> <clears throat> if you've not noticed I'm speaking way more calmer than usual on the podcast today this is because uh, I got a lot of stick from you, the listeners, and my Instagram followers when I posted a reel right. saying that I need to chill the fuck out and that I need to take a diazepam and a Xanax and everything else like that. <laughs> so I did have a Red Bull and I did have a coffee this morning. Okay. But uh, as you can tell, I'm either completely numb <laughs> from the derby or caffeine has zero effect on me as a person. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm just addressing that. Okay. So, so I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. And if you fall asleep, please let the rest of the episodes run through. We need the viewership. <laughs> right, so am I going to just do this episode as a certain character then? <laughs> Why? Because you're claiming that I'm in character. <laughs> Thanks. Is it a ca- No, no, but is it? <laughs> no, the thing is, like, this is what I explained. It's ASMR. Yeah, but that, that's not intentional. The thing is, like, when I'm talking to you on this podcast, I have someone to bounce back off. So obviously energy is higher of a person I'm speaking to in person. Yeah, exactly. But when I'm in my apartment on my own and it's just the camera two feet away from me, I'm hardly doing cartwheels and screaming at the thing like I'm Logan Paul. There's I don't think you're... I think people should kind of get onto me about it. I'm crazy. I go nuts. Anytime the glazers are mentioned, I go off on a tangent, you know? Then I'll... Just because I'm not whispering. <laughs> we got in the well, But anyways, so before we touch on the derby, right, I have a little bone to pick with the club and this... A little uh, bone. A little bone to pick with the Plenty with, of bones the to pick with them. A whole skeleton. Plenty yeah. of them in the closet. Dave obviously touched on, it was kind of his hot take last week about the yeah. club being very commercial on social media. And in the wake of the derby, they have posted three ads for these new Adidas headphone thingies. Oh, fuck. And I actually, like, what really pisses me off, right, is like, obviously... We live in this world and know how advertisement works. They didn't shoot this ad yesterday and posted it today, right? Yeah, yeah. But in the ad is Martinez, Wambasaka, Luke Shaw, Garnacho, and then a few of the women off the women's team, okay. right? Garnacho is the only male player in that ad that is currently fit. Yeah. Should these players not be focused on rehab and getting back onto the fucking pitch rather when was than. Sh- it? When was it filmed, I wonder? Well, the summer. Apart from Martinez, they've been out injured for basically the, the season. Mm. It's just the priorities of... I actually wrote that in the comment. I was like, they posted three ads in the space of an hour. I'm like, it's okay not you're to not, post. You're not damaging your... I could not rep. give a flying fuck. I'll text Elliot. Because that's what that is is a slap in the face of fans. Yeah, it is. In the wake of getting thumped around in a derby. And only for Onana, it would have been much more than three. Yeah, he's hit a bit of form, which is good. And I went to some of the technical things in the game that really, really pissed me off. Mm. And I don't ever go in on Ten Hag but it really 
really fucking pissed me off, right? Because it's just a pure city thing. And only for Anana, it would have been the doubles. But that posting ads like that, right in the wake of mm. getting thumped around by City, is just a slap in the face for it's, fans. But it just shows the priorities of the club at the moment. It's the current priorities. I actually enjoyed the um, debate between Cara and Neville on mm. Sunday. I thought it was a great debate. I think both of them made very valid points. And I, I think dis- Neville made great points. I think there's it's now... And I slightly disagreed with Roy Keane's take as well, where Neville had mentioned the weight and the pressure that comes with the club. Mm. And Keane turned around and said, sure, we got a stick as United players. Yes, Roy, you did. Every player from every club gets stick. But yeah. you was one playing when social media was around and it is a different ball game for players Dif- now. Completely different ball game, yeah. Right, and bear in mind... That Keane, kind of chatter was in pubs, you know. Yeah, you didn't have to... Do, it wasn't shoved in your face. It wasn't in pubs where it would get serious social engagement online where thousands of people would see it like that kind of stick that players were getting 20 odd years ago where chats in a pub or a cafe or whatever or it was from the terraces five or six people or it was from the terraces yeah do you know what I mean so they weren't opening their phones in the morning and having to you know see DMs and comments and on on every platform that they're operating Uh, on listen I am I'm just I'm not going to expend any of my angry energy on it anymore because I'm just numb yeah I am I'm I'm, I'm numb to it and I think we need to um, as mm. I think I said it in the previous episodes a while ago um, we just need to sort out what our ex, our expectations are as fans because like this whole thing oh we can challenge for a title like it's just not, not a, true not just, even it's a, just just set that aside and that's not even on our current form that's just in general we're just nowhere near that level there was a rumour as well that the players are a bit frustrated with the uh, uncertainty of what's going on with the club, with Ratcliffe. What, what, like, why is everything delayed? Like, why, why is there a certain update and then it gets delayed and then it's forgotten about? Like, what, what is going on? Like, it, like the, the thing is as well, right, there is like, okay, this is like a point in the sky thing. This is never, ever going to happen, right, because they just don't have the set of bollocks to do it, right? We talk about player power all of the time. Right, this is their job. This is their employer. Yeah, stage a walkout. If every one of them, every yeah. single one of them, unanimously didn't show up to training or yeah. didn't show up for the game day, and the game had to be cancelled, and tickets had to be refunded, and we go and forfeit three points, yeah. how loud is that a message? Yeah, it's a huge message. It's a massive message. So, but I don't think any of the. I mean, I look at what the 1958 are doing. It was very effective at the start and it looked they should be given their credit, but they're not doing much now. Like, they're not going to the extremes and they need to. They need to. And they could say, oh, you're saying that here from, you know, you're doing your podcast, you're benefiting off the club, doing a podcast, you're living in Ireland, you're not from Salford like us. I know that, but I know that if you take it, just if you notch it up another level and maybe not go into that stadium... That might send the message. Mm. Messages need to be sent. They really do. Like what happened a few years ago with the Super League during the Liverpool game. You know, it sent a big message. Big but, but the thing about the Glazers are they are just, they're just like us. They're, they're, they're numb to it in a very different way. They, mm. don't give, they don't give a shit what's been said about them. They actually don't care. No. I think they thrive more on the negativity. I actually think so as well. Yeah, they love it. Um, and they're cold. Oh yeah, they're cold. It's a nasty business quality to have, but it's a business quality that you know it works. For it, them. It, it works. It, it, lines, it, w- it lines their pockets. Yeah. And that's all they care about. Like for example, I commented on a United Instagram page, not the United page, just a, one of many United blogs, so to speak. And they were speaking about Eric Ten Hag being asked if he would play 
that I exploited football. I, you know, yeah. And Seeing that. he basically said that his quote, never, we will never play that football because those players are different players. This is not why I came here. We're playing different football than I showed at YX because I have to, because I can't play that same way. So one, he's saying, like, I haven't got the players at my facility to play that style of football, which he hasn't. Gary Neville touched on it. Like that whole back four, mm. part, I think Reglion came on at one point. I don't know if he started. I can't remember now off the top he of He didn't head. start. Yeah. Lindelof started at left. Okay, back. so Lindelof signed by Jose. Evans and Maguire. Evans signed on loan by Ten Hag, but is an old guard. So he was actually signed by Fergie. Maguire signed by Oli and Delow signed by Jose. Mm. So out of his back five, his goalkeeper is the only person that he's actually wanted himself, yeah. right? And then you're expecting this guy to play out from the back and play through the midfield when he has Ericsson signed by Oli. McTominay came from the academy. Mm. Fernandez also signed by Oli. Ericsson was signed by Ten Hag. Was he? Yeah. Oh, he was? Yeah. I think Neville also touched on it. Keane and Neville kind of touched on it, I think, when he took Amrabat off at half time. Yeah. The midfield completely opened up and, oh, and we were exposed so. big time. But going back to that Instagram post, it then says, in response to Ten Hag's quote about Ajax, he said, it's like this guy lied on his CV and his cover letter just to get this job. The whole motivation to bring him in was so we could see that style of play. We have a number of signings. Did you not see it last season? Are you stupid? Like, did you not see it last season for the first few months? This is, are people just forgetting that? Exactly, right? So, <laughs> What do they want? It gets worse, right? And I'll read my response to it now in a second, right? So it says, uh, we have signed a number of players. We've had opportunities to recruit his types of players. If he wasn't going to implement his style of football, we might as well have hired a Lampard. <laughs> so I said how can he lie on the CV when he's came from a well-run club he had the players that believed in him yeah. and a club that believed in him and his style of play oh he also had a director exactly right who also knows how to run the club well I said he came to a club that is rotten to the core with a bunch of cry baby prima donnas that think they're God's gift to the game when they can barely scrap wins against Sheffield and Copenhagen I said he's human not a fucking wizard if you put Klopp Pep Ancelotti or all three of them into the dugout the issue and the outcome is the very same. It is. So I'm not sure what people actually expect from him because he's come to a league which is the hardest league in the world. Mm. There's a bunch of players that don't want to play that brand of football. They all have their heads buried so far up their own arses. Right? And then he's dealing with owners that don't give a flying fuck. They just don't give a flying fuck what happens on the pitch. That quote about him, the you know, talking about the... I can't play the Ajax way. way. That's directed at the owners. Good. And that's the first kind of um, message that he sent yeah and, and it is it's frustrating it's unbelievably frustrating both the players need to be blamed and they need to be sympathised with as well with regards to the uncertainty that's in, going on in a way now we'll disagree and he needs to be blamed too for his tactics and this is what I'm getting to right yeah. so on the player standpoint right these are professional players right so I've mentioned it before Jeff Hendrick the Irish international mm-hmm. right professional footballer me and Jeff went to school together yeah. right played football together all the way growing up yeah. he made it professional I didn't right so when I'm coaching young kids I use Jeff as a prime example yeah. right because the difference between making that step to a professional is the word professional a coach tells you to do this job for 90 minutes and you do that you don't deviate. Could Jeff beat five players and bang them in the top bins? Probably. Does the coach tell him to stay in his position and do job X, Y, Z? That's the difference, right? With City, there is clear patterns of play on that pep, right? Clear patterns of play. 100%. Ball comes to Grealish, he kind of feints to come inside, someone overlaps, it's a small reverse pass. It was Bernardo Silva twice, and one was a smash and save from Anana, and then the second one was literally an identical pattern of play. Yeah. 
and Haaland heads in his second goal, right? You watch City play against anybody, right? And these patterns of play are so blatant. So you have a coach that is tactical, right? I'm not going to say that Ten Hag isn't. Mm. And you have professional players regardless of their ability, right? Because I'm not asking you to do 10 step overs and dribble by a player and put it on a 10 pence. I'm asking you to run. Run. There is no way that pattern of play that created two chances, one of them resulting in a goal, should have happened. And it goes back to the game last season in Old Trafford where City had tried to play that way against us and United were pressing and covering so much distance on the pitch. Mm. This season, they're a shadow of what that team were. Even, <clears> they even were physically. Working their, I remember that City game and I, I really thought, like I was watching, I was like, Jesus, this is, there's a difference here. They are working so fucking hard on well, the I think pitch. that was the time we played City before. That was when we got slapped around by We got slapped six. around. And they, learned from, they learned from that game. And in the return fixture at Old Trafford, I think it was Fred Fernandez and Casemiro in midfield. We're missing him, by the way, Fred. Yeah, for his are. pressing, we are. We don't realise it now. Work rate, for his yeah. work rate. Um, you know, you, you can't... And Liverpool did the exact same thing to City. They pressed and pressed and pressed them. They broke them down Against for, them not to, for them not to, you know, they literally broke them down so they couldn't come up with these patterns of play and not afford them so much space in the pitch. The space that they had against us, especially on the right-hand side. And that's where, that's where physicality comes into it and this is where fatigue comes into yeah. it, right? Because if you allow City the space to shift you from side to side, like Pep says it all the time, like he often quotes how he dislikes how people use the term tiki-taka for his style of yeah. play when it's not if you look at Pep like there's a great documentary on Pep's Barcelona it's called Take the Ball Pass the Ball mm. right and there's a small little section in that documentary where at Barcelona Pep took the other Barcelona teams as in like the basketball team and, and the handball teams that Barcelona have mm. and once every couple of weeks they would all sit down and exchange notes so they could see patterns of play mm. that would be crossover from yeah. different teams and he used to watch rugby he used to watch how rugby players used to overload one end of the p- one side of the pitch yeah. and then quickly switch the play and then create a numerical advantage on the other on the other side. And that's what City teams do. Every Pep team has done that. They shift the ball side to side, mm-hmm. work you to the fucking bone. You yeah. get tired, and then it's, it's when you get tired is when you make lapses mm-hmm. in your concentration, and then you don't want to run or you can't run yeah. or you forget to follow a player. And that's when these teams will nail you. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. And the funny thing is, you, they don't have like that one player who's expressive. They're all expressive in their own ways, and they all are rigid when it comes to positioning. They just overload teams through pure teamwork. There's not that one player. Maybe De Bruyne, you can pick out like we have Fernandez. We have to rely on Fernandez for that kind of inspiration. Mm. All of them are essentially inspired because they're programmed like robots yeah. to play against these teams. To know where where, to, where they where they are where to be, wise, where, where to your be. teammate is going to be hundred percent. What small sections of the pitch that we want to attack, where yeah. we can isolate certain players. Yeah. For example, Grealish and Silva. I don't think you see Bernardo Silva pop up on that um, left hand side that often. Mm. But that's clearly a tactical thing that where Pep has said, okay, we're going to put these two very technical players, and we're going to exploit Dallo. And he got no help either. He's one guy against yeah. two world-class players. And you have Fernandez playing out on the right. Oh, just... Once again, 
I just think the the entire 90 minutes was a shambles tactically it was a shambles I think we opened up the midfield in the second half way too early it was a shambles like physicality I don't know what it is whether it's game congestion whether it's they're not arsed I don't know what it is the players didn't want to run didn't want to work Do you think there'd be a difference if we had our fully fit back four and Shaw Martinez Varane um, I'd say there'd be a difference in us we'd probably lose 1-0 and not 3-0 you know what? I think I think if, I've said it about Luke Shaw. If yeah, big and Wan Bissaka. I think if we had a full fit squad of full force choice players, I think it would have allowed the manager to be more tactical. Yeah. Um. I think the manager got his tactics wrong. Uh, I think like they touched on 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 Scoy. Neville had mentioned it. I think taken. I know Amrabat didn't have a great first half, but didn't have a great first half against Copenhagen either. Exactly right. But I I personally think I'd have probably taken. When he put McTominay on, I would have just stuck McTominay high up the pitch. I think he had like he forced. I know. Okay, the, the the strike was straight at him, but he forced a decent save from from Edison. Great pass from Rashford in fairness. Yeah, it wasn't. Like um, it was. When I saw him just wave his foot at the ball, I thought that is a lazy. That is a lazy just swipe at the ball to get it forward, and it turned out to be a great pass. Mm. With credit where it's due. Um, thought McTominay held off the defender very well. Got the yeah. ball down, made himself enough space to get the shot off. Could he have put it in either side of the corner? Yeah. But then again, he is not a striker. But mm. in saying that, like, I just think we got exposed big time in the second half. And you cannot do that against teams like City. You just can't. But what did you expect when you seen that starting eleven? Like, I just... All my my hope went out the window. I personally, like... I know that people talk about playing the United way and that, like even Kane said it, you know, you're United, you should puff out your chest. We need to be realistic here. No, we can't We can't do that anymore. United, we tried that. When we tried that, it, it, we, we failed spectacularly. Yeah. yeah. End up getting thumped for six, like. And they tried it in the second half where they tried to open up and go toe to toe with City. <laughs> Going toe to toe with City is like me getting in the ring with Ali. You can't, not with that back four, man. Like, it's good, like Johnny Evans has been decent for us but you do not start Johnny Evans in such a big game I don't know what the story is with, with Varane maybe he picked up another knock and that's an issue maybe we should sell Varane and bring in maybe two centre-backs to cover for him in that position like signings need to be made now in January big one minimum two centre-backs needed and this whole shit needs to be sorted before January because if it's not if we're in the exact same position we were last January where Ronaldo had left and our only fucking option was to bring in Weghorst. Like, it's bad, man. It's really, really bad. Our structure is just fucked. Everyone, like, everyone is fearing for their jobs now. Richard Arnold is fearing for his position. Murtaugh as well. So it's all up in the air. Like, it's just the lack of communication from these owners, you know, down to the coaching staff, down to the players. Like you have to feel sorry for them in that in that sense as well. But these players as well, it seems to me that they've had enough now of Ten Hag. Oh, it's, you know, it's it's things have gotten a little bit a little bit too difficult for them. The same thing happened with happens Ollie with a few ev- years ago. Happens with every coach oh, that we have. It's gone too hard now, and we're not gonna we're not gonna try. They don't try. They don't. They don't give no. it their all. And Rashford's one of them. I'm gonna pick out Rashford. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna, I know he had a good chance there on Sunday, and I know he. He could have got a nice little assist there for McTominay, but no. That's not enough, it's, right? He's not doing let, enough. He's got a big say, contract. But let's say, right, let's just pick Rashford out for, for a moment there, right? Let's say in hindsight, the chance that he had goes in and McTominay scores and Rashford gets a goal and an assist and, yeah. we, lose, and we lose 3-2, right? 
you can't like this is the fucking thing right? you have to look at what he's done <clears throat> o- I say this all the time Zidane and Modric both won a Ballon d'Or with single digit goals and assists yeah. because you affect a game so much more than a goal and an assist if that fucker had scored and assisted and we lost 3-2 everybody would just look at those numbers and be like not a bad result yeah and Rashford got a goal and assist ergo played well that's not how it works no I've even watching him against Copenhagen just a shell of the player he was last year. I think he's. Uh, I don't has know. to be has to be questioned for the fact that he's he's got this whopper contract. But this happens with almost every United player. Happened with De Gea as well. Yeah. De Gea was unbelievable. Got the big contract and then turns to dog shit. Mm-hmm. Like it happens with so many players at United. Where I personally think there should be the contracts this day should be on performance. But the med- people above should be fucking blamed for this as but well. This is where because they're creating that atmosphere. Yeah, they're creating that atmosphere where. You had a good season last year. We're going to reward you for that. And then they give them that Whopper contract and then they revert back to the way they played. But well, it's like a pattern. One good season, one bad season. One good season, one bad season. I'm fucking sick of it. I really well, am. I, There's no consistency no. whatsoever. And I, I think the ruthlessness that was shown to show Ronaldo the door should be trickled right through, right? So, 100%. Um, Contracts going forward, while the club is in this current state, yeah. contracts going forward should be based on performance metrics, mm. right? So, okay, yeah, you get your base salary, which is fucking huge anyway. So I'm not talking the 200, 300k, right? The club should cap base salaries at 150k a week. Don't care who you are. And the performance metrics is what boosts up your salary. Mm. And if you underperform, you should be fucking docked. Yeah. <laughs> You should be fucking docked. That's, unfortunately, it just right. It can't, and then if, it, can't, it can't be done in this day and age. Well, not with well. This is where they players talk, they, and their agents. But they talk about player power and agents, right? So you issued on the contract and they don't want to sign it. No bother. He has a year and a half left on his contract. You sell the fucker. Yeah. But don't give a fuck who he is. Yeah. <laughs> because Neville touched on it. He says like a half of that team is like we're seeing Martial up front. We're seeing Maguire at centre back. And we're seeing fucking, well, like, I'm a fan of McTominay, but McTominay as an example, I know he came up through the academy. But the complaints that we made four years ago we're still making today because they're the same fucking players. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they're the like, same players. Like, we're on this fucking carousel. Mm. Just goes around and around and around and nothing ever changes. I do like McTominay. I like his application. I like... I do as well. I do. And I Is he good enough to be a box-to-box midfielder? Absolutely fucking not. No. Like, there's no way he should be dropping in and taking the ball off the back four and expecting to Absolutely. play and, and, and he himself, I think he realises that. Big I think one. he's pushing to play higher up the pitch, higher up the pitch as yeah. a number eight or a, no, or a number ten. Because it seems to me that he is good getting in those advanced positions. Fernandez, it's a big conversation need to be had about him. And, like, you know me, I'm the biggest, you know, Bruno Fernandez fan out there. But he's not captain material. He's been played out of position. Constantly, you're not going to have an effective midfield if Bruno Fernandez is not playing in the midfield. Mm-hmm. I have always said it when he plays deeper in the middle, he's very effective for us. Well, I was saying this as well. I was saying to my friend Paul. I don't know if Paul listens to this, but Paul owns like Pygmalion there in, in the city centre and stuff like uh, and Little Pig. Yeah, and uh, he's a big United fan. And every time we bump into each other, any time I'm in there, we always just talk ball. And uh, I was saying the same thing to him, like that kind of what you said. Mount should be at least tried out wide. Yeah, try oh. mount out wide and put Bruno in and the put, middle. Yeah. I think Bruno and Amrabat should almost that that should be the pivot. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. And then you could almost play Mount as okay, yeah, on the right, but you could also play him as a number ten. Mm. But 
the issue is tactically as well, the style of striker that Hoyland is, we actually, without blowing steam up this kid's ass, right, he plays very much like Harry Kane does, where he's capable of playing on the shoulder because he has the yeah. pace, but he also is capable of dropping into that space that's left mm. and holding up the ball. Yeah. Right? So if you have McTominay, say, coming off the bench, or Bruno in a pivot, if Bruno decides to burst forward, mm. if you play a number 10 in that role, that space is now occupied. Right? Yeah. So Hoyland can't drop in there. He's forced to play up top, yeah. right? And if you're not playing against a team, right? So if you're a striker, right? So if there's kids listening to this or coaches listening to this, right? If you are playing as an out-and-out striker, you have two jobs, right? Other than actually scoring fucking goals, yeah. right? You are either there to hold up play and bring your midfield into play, right? Mm. Or you do grunt running, right? Mm. Which is there specifically to stretch defences, right? If you run in behind, players follow you, right? Which means the, the back four and the midfield the gap between them gets stretched. Yeah. And you're creating space for the midfield to operate in. Mm. Right? That's literally your two jobs. Right? Yeah. And if you have a number 10 that solely operates in this space, it means Hoyland can't drop in and link up play, which means he's forced to run all of the time. And this is where we see him making those runs and not getting the ball, which is fine. But we do not have the technical players the way like a Grealish, a De Bruyne, a Bernardo Silva, a Madison. We do not have them players. We have one. We have Fernandez, but then you the, could argue Mount. You could argue Mount, but then you can't play both of them in the same position, right? Yeah. And then the big issue is then, right? Let's say the strikers Rashford makes a run, Anthony spins around in the corner, Hoyland, <laughs> <laughs> Hoyland makes a run. <laughs> Look, anyways, we we. <laughs> <laughs> we, Sorry, <Continue. laughs> we, we stretch the defence, right? <laughs> then the issue becomes, right, those players run off sides, then they have to come back in yeah. and come on side, right? Mm. Everything's static. Yeah. Everything is static. There's no interchange in positions. There's no. nobody running forward, running back, running back. So players are on the ball, they're scanning, they're looking, nothing's happening. They're forced to turn around, go backwards or go sideways. And, and it's but They do that all the time and the opposition You know how easy it is regrouped. to defend against? So e- they're, they're so easy to defend against. It's, so, it's simple. So they talk about, uh, you know, you don't score enough goals. Right? That's not down to the lack of having decent strikers. It's down to a lack of movement and a lack of patterns of yeah. play. That's what it's down to. But why aren't we seeing that same movement from last season, from that period of September to February last season. Well, the year. big issue is, right, so let's say, let's take City, for example, right? Let's say just that derby gone. Let's say Grealish doesn't slip. Bern- say Bernardo runs three, four times mm. and Grealish doesn't slip him in. Grealish gets tore off. Yeah. And someone else goes in the spot. Yeah. Right? Let's Ruthless, say, yeah. Let's say Bernardo doesn't make those runs and Grealish looks and it's not there and then Grealish is forced to hold on to the ball yeah. a little longer and play backwards. Yeah. Right? Silva gets torn off. Yeah. Right? Ten Hag, right? And this is where I'll, I'll back this guy to the hilt, right? He hasn't got the options to tear people off. He hasn't. I've And I have noticed that the players do not opt for the fullbacks that are coming in on the overlap. Because you can't. But then again, Regulon's playing there and I noticed, I noticed that Rashford, I, I just noticed how long, how much time Rashford takes on the ball and the opposition, the defence is already regrouped they're already rigid and Regulon or whoever has made an overlap and Rashford doesn't opt yeah. to make that pass. He does it all the time. Yeah. And he's and he's 
waving his hands in the air and as if the, his decision like, his, de- his decision making oh, is always questionable he takes and, and it has yeah he often takes on a player when, when that's not the right time to take on a player you take on a player when he is isolated yeah. that's when you dribble at players when they're isolated unless you are fucking messy and let's be real nobody is messy you take on players when they're isolated yeah. right so if you look at like Grealish is one of the best stats in the league for progressing the ball how often does he actually take on a player very very very, very rarely very rarely yeah because because he always has that option for a pass but it's also because the way City play like I said of overloading they don't isolate players on that they isolate players on the far side yeah and that's how they that's how they isolate players. If you look at when Ronaldo was taking on players, United were moving the ball very quickly mm. and overloading certain areas of the field to isolate players like Ronaldo. We done it with Giggs. We done it with Beckham all the time. But how often did just Beckham take just on a about player? That, like look how isolated Haaland was for that goal. Yeah, <laughs> completely on his own at the back post. And you know what? Credit to Haaland because if you look at the goal that he that he scored, the second header is it, it's literally an identical mm. pattern of play for the chance that Onana made a brilliant save and then the chance that went yeah, led is, to a goal right? Identical, yeah. and if you look at Haaland how easy is that this right, This is where what separates Haaland from other strikers right? because any other striker is just focused on putting that on target mm. make good connection with the head and put it on target but not fucking Haaland and this is where this guy is a sick sick individual because he remembered Onana is expecting me to just head this ball and last time he just dove to cover up the ground and made a great save. So what will I do? I'll put it where he's not going to dive. He's not going to dive, yeah. And that is the difference. How can you break the British goal scoring record in your debut season, be a part of the team that won a, a domestic treble. treble, the second team in, in British history that have won English, English history. history? Sorry. Sorry, Celtic. Sorry, Celtic, 1967. In English history that have won domestic treble and not win the Ballon d'Or. Um, do you? Because I, I do I, not agree with Messi agree. winning the Ballon. Sorry, I know I've changed Either the subject. I, it is a change of subject, but like it, it's a decent caveat, and we are literally on the on the the post kind of. Yeah, because I'm done talking about that game now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> done. <laughs> done. Uh, we can we can overanalyze all we want, but you just don't stop that City team. Not yeah. not with the players. Notice we didn't even bring up the penalty. No point. No, I'm I'm, I'm done talking about that sort of shit. Do we think it was a penalty? Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. But if that's yeah, up the yeah. other end of the pitch. Do we get it? No. no. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Messi winning the Ballon d'Or. I actually saw a very interesting tweet. In, do you remember when Greece won the Euros? Yeah. Why wasn't your man that scored the winning goal in the Euros given the Ballon d'Or that yeah. year? 2016 or whatever. Uh, four. For 2004. Is it Ronaldinho won it that year? Yeah, I think so. But yeah. was Ronaldinho the best player in the world then? Yes, absolutely. Is Messi the best player but, in the world right now? But Brazil won the Copa America that year. Yeah. But was Ronaldinho the best player on the planet at that time? Oh, absolutely. 100%. 100%. So there, ergo, deserves it. Is Messi the best player in the world right now? No. No, he's not. Jude Bellingham coming like 18th or something like that is a fucking oh. tragedy. That is a joke. We talk about him. We'll talk about him in a sec. Oh, that man. is a joke. That is a joke. I think Ruben Diaz came in double figures as well, which is yeah. also a joke. Yeah, they're basing it They're basing it off Dortmund, aren't they? And Dortmund <sighs> bottling the league and then his performances for England were decent. Do you know what the thing is? I think I touched on this. I don't know if we touched on this last week or whatever else. But we basically said it like they should take the voting out of the Ballon d'Or altogether. Yeah, they should. Right? Because there's so much of a bias to it. Massively. Massively, so. right? And it's basically just a popularity contest. Listen, right? I, I do agree. Messi's the greatest player of all time. But like... Well, that's not the, what the award is. It's And it's not. It's not what the award is. Like, it grinds my gears that they the cancelled it for some weird reason. They just cancelled it. 
in 2020. When Lewandowski should have won it. When Lewandowski should have won it. It's actually, it annoys me so much that a player of his calibre who put like, was part of that, they won the treble, that Bayern Munich team that won the treble that season. He just, he just got robbed of a Ballon d'Or because, well, also, because the ceremony was cancelled. Yeah. And I also... Did not do it on Zoom, no? I also saw like a, a tro- trophy metric between Messi and Tony Kroos, who also has a World Cup, who has yeah. more Champions Leagues, who was part of a 3P Champions League winning Madrid yeah. team, right? Like, do I think Kroos is a better player than Messi? Not with very different players. Do I think Messi can do Kroos's job? No. Can Kroos do what Messi does? Absolutely not. Mm. But if it's based on those sort of metrics, why wasn't Kroos ever given a Ballon d'Or? Yeah. Or when Frank Rivery was robbed of one, when he basically won every trophy possible. Yeah. Like, I think Bayern basically done a... 2013. They done a clean sweep of basically every trophy yeah. that was available. Yeah. They had won. You're panicus. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think the amount of stats that are covered in football now distance travelled past completion like even all this XG shit do you know what I mean <laughs> like expected goals expected assists pre-assists like the game is over analysed to their hilt yeah right so why don't you just take that data and then apply it to the Ballon d'Or and whoever if you want to go on stats take trophies out of the, out of the equation altogether and just go on who actually has the best yeah. stats and then take trophies okay which players were those stats vital to their yeah. team winning things Mm. Like I said, Zidane and Modric had single-figure goals and assists, and both won the Ballon d'Or because they were like Modric was vital in Croatia when going to a World Cup final. I don't think he deserved it. I don't think he deserved it either that season. But, I thought he was phenomenal in the World Cup. But was it Ballon d'Or sort of levels? I don't think so. No, I really don't think. No, so. no it wasn't. He finished, you know, in a, in a side that were runners-up in the World Cup. I think, yeah, he did. He, he was part of that Champions League winning team against Liverpool that season. But let's, but like, let's, let's put it this way, right? So if you're in a World Cup final and you are a Ballon d'Or winning player, if you are the best player in the world, mm. right? I know you're one of 11 on the field, right? But if you are the best player in the world and you're in a, an attacking role, mind you, yeah. your team don't come second. No. They don't. Because if you look at Haaland now, do you think of Haaland, I know it's fucking Norway, but if you think if he's in a, in a World Cup f- final, do you think they're coming second with that fucker up front? Not a chance. Not a fucking chance. I think the Ballon d'Or on a whole is, is a it joke. It is a joke. It's a joke. I think the voting to, system needs to but change. To, but to break that record, to break, like, especially, it, especially in the Premier League. And in your debut season. You know, your debut season, to, to go to... And do, do you know what? I know this is a United podcast, right? And I know obviously there's a little bit of bitterness when it comes to City, right? But I actually do think what Haaland has achieved is downplayed because it's City. Oh, because, because it's City. Because, because, oh, well, because he has, it's City. He has great providers in so Rodri and De Bruyne. That's what loads of people have, have so been saying. You know, the people... Ronaldo, the Ronaldo had it at Madrid. Ronaldo had it with Cruz, United. Modric. Yeah. Ozil. Ozil. Benzema. Yeah. The whole team was built around getting him goals. Yeah. And he also had it at United when he won it in OA. He yeah. had Tevez, Ronaldo, Berbatov, Giggs, Scholes, mm. Hargreaves, Carrick. Yeah. The whole team is built around getting him goals. Yeah. Messi at Barcelona. Xabi, Iniesta, Bouquet, Pedro, fucking... Well, yeah, but of course, like... Any player that has gone on and won the Ballon d'Or, especially if you're a striker, yeah. you've only won it because of the other... That's fo- because the thing, of you, you build your team around these, these kind around of players. Around these kind of players. And that's why I think, actually, just looking at... I think, look at Wayne Rooney in 2010, when he had that w- unbelievable season. Yeah, he had providers in the likes of... He had an agent, Scholes, an agent, Giggs... Who else? Carrick. Carrick. Park doing a lot of grunting. Park doing a lot of... But uh, like a lot of what he did that season, you know, he pulled us out of the trenches. Individual. It was all individual stuff. A lot that, of which makes that season a bit more, you know... 
a lot more impressive than people give it and credit I think, for. If we had gone on and won a bit more that season, I maybe so. you would have and, been able to shout. And I think... Like I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say now, and and before I say it, I am going to just double down. I think Messi is the greatest player that's ever lived. Oh, I don't without think, a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt, right? But I think one of the big differences is right. You talked about Rooney pulling you out of the trenches there, and that individualism. Like you look at Ronaldo, you look at him on like that Juve, like when he scored a hat trick against Atletico on the second yeah. leg there, like that, like that's unbelievable. And for us, and on a for, and for us yeah. in the Champions League on a few occasions. Yeah, it was a Villarreal at home. Yeah. Atalanta, like, but even even them games, clutch, think, clutch player. Yeah, there's even that game. There's a, a goal he scored against Fulham. He takes it around the halfway line. He just runs up. Oh, skips yeah, two thousand and seven. And yeah. that game, my dad always said it. There's certain games that win you win your titles and lose yeah. your titles, right? And he always said there's a game against Blackburn where Varane gave the ball away and they scored. And my dad always said that game is what lost us the title that yeah. year. And my dad always said that Ronaldo goal against Fulham mm. is what won us the title that yeah. year. Oh, there's always and a certain game. There's always a game. Like I, I look when we when City won the league in 2012. The game that lost us the title was the four-all draw at home against Everton. Yeah. There's always one game that just completely changes the trajectory yeah. of the season. Yeah. So, so going going back on to Haaland and the band, I think what Haaland does and has achieved is downplayed because it's almost like it's expected of him because you play for C. Yeah. You play for the, the greatest manager in the world. You play in the best team in the world. Mm. A club that is bankrolled, run well. Of course you're going to break them records. Of course you're going to score them goals. Yeah. But <laughs> stick someone else in there and see if he does it. Yeah. That's the difference. True. Can we talk about Jude Bellingham? <sighs> that, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh. The thing that Ollie wanted him I know. Now, in saying this, Birmingham right, City. I'm all, I'm all twenty-two. I'm also, I'm also just going to touch on. Do I think Bellingham would be the player he is now if we had signed them? No, he Absolutely. wouldn't. We'd ruin him. Absolutely not. We would ruin that kid's career. We'd ruin him. Going to Dortmund, right? Which whoever made that decision, whatever his agent, his family, whoever said him, mate, this is the decision. This but is where you go. I think a lot of players, a lot of young players, are doing that. I know Sancho. I, well, I think Sancho was just kind of an anomaly. Yeah, an anomaly, and I think he was his attitude. He had attitude issues at City anyway. Yeah, Dortmund obviously saw the potential in him, but Haaland, he was at Salzburg. Same thing, and he went to um, Dortmund. You know, and and he was a monster at Dortmund. Yeah, but I think whoever's currently managing Bellingham's career is doing that kid a fucking world of good, because moving to Dortmund was a significant move on a, on a chessboard, not checkers. Chess, yeah, and then he moved to Madrid at the perfect time in this kid's career. Yeah, the perfect time, and then also then he's going into a, a decent Madrid side, which are kind of in a rebuild, right? Yeah. But like also, right? If anybody from Manchester United or any other club for that matter has actually happened to be listening to this, how Madrid are doing a rebuild is exactly how you do a rebuild. Yeah. It's how Ferguson used to do it. You slowly push out the old guard and you but they're slowly... Still, they're still there. They're still there. Which is... It's you've, perfect. You've got the two of them there in Cruz and Modric yeah. and then you have... It's perfect. Camavinga, Tuomani and Bellingham. Like, you know, they're already un, unreal now but can you imagine them in two, three years? Like Madrid... Madrid will have... Phenomenal. Madrid will have another potential 3P team on their hands. Mbappe is probably looking at that thinking why am I at PSG why am I not at Madrid I think he's 24 now I still you'll get the best years out of him yeah, this is what I mean like I mean Vinny Jr. on the left Mbappe and then that midfield in a couple of years ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous it's frightening 
frightening how, how good they're going to be. Good they are going to be. And can be. And again, and they have a decent enough defence. I know Alaba made a mistake yeah. for the Barcelona goal. And I, I can see them now, looking at that Madrid team, I think Rudiger is probably the one that'll, and maybe the goalkeeper, because I know yeah. Courtois has a bad injury and they got Kepa on loan. Yeah. I think Rudiger will probably be the first place that they'll, they'll look at getting a younger, world-class centre-back yeah. there. Well, they have... Um, if they can identify one. They have Milit- Militao's a big loss to them because he's mm. kind of, he's he's cemented his place in that team the last season or so. And... Um, yeah, they just they just look really good on on paper. Bellingham for me is just a world. He's a world he's beater. Just unbelievable. He is unbelievable. Like like, he's the most exciting player now in the world. In the in the world S- in the since world. Mbappe really excited me a few years ago. Bellingham has that same kind of. But, uh, you know, there's he's bringing those excitement levels to the there's game. Certain, there's certain players that do certain things in their careers, right? So like Beckham scoring against the halfway line, you yeah. know catapulted him but then also like what he went on to do like performances against Madrid coming off the bench changing that game yeah. you know after after Ronaldo you know bullying us yeah. you know certain things that Messi's done Cristiano's yeah. done you look at that moment Bellingham takes that ball outside the box in the El Clasico takes one look up and laces it in the top yeah. end that moment in his career hmm. like that's that is where the football gods decide you're the one yeah. And we just sprinkle a little bit of that dust on you. Yeah. And do you know what? Even as Irish players, right? Because obviously, we we sometimes we he don't has like a bit of Irish in him. Anybody see that <clears throat> that picture of him when he was a little kid? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. But he's got an, an Irish um, away jersey on. And uh, obviously we have one of the many that got away. <laughs> and Grealish and Rooney, Rooney, Kane, Kane <laughs> uh, Royce, like. Uh, oh yeah, him. But obviously we don't. I don't particularly like to see England do well in international competitions and stuff. But obviously, there's a few United players yeah. that play in in that team, and you'd like to see them at least win something. If players like Bellingham go his career without getting any sort of international medals, it's tragic. Oh, it's criminal, isn't it? Yeah. When you look at some players like Michael Owen, Shearer, Beckham, Scholes, Lampard, Gerrard, yeah. Terry, Rio, yeah, Bex, obviously, but even like Giggs, Gareth Bale, yeah. like these players that just you know, I know. And it is a crying shame. Gareth Bale came oh so close in 2016, didn't he, with, with Wales? But I just look at Bellingham and... Like, wow. kid, the kid, and he's 20. 20 years old. He's a, doing that he's a child. Classical. He is a child. Yeah, he's a kid. Like, he's not even had his... Like, he can't drink in America. <laughs> he can't, no. He's not allowed to drink in America. No, and he's to wait ba- another year. And he's banging in goals in the top bins and in yeah. a classical and he's not even allowed to legally drink. He, the kid has an unbelievable future. If we get our act together, right, in the next few years <laughs> and the Glazers are gone <laughs> and we have a good structure in place, maybe we could entice him. <laughs> maybe we could get him over. You never know when he's like 25, 26. No, 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 no. When he's like... 32 and we pay 70 million <laughs> oh god by the way I'm actually I'm enjoying the podcast because we're not talking about you know we're kind of <laughs> delving in and out about them and having a bit of a laugh the Madrid way um, what do you think of my prediction in one of the earlier episodes son getting that golden boot I think oh. I think I'm I think I'm spot on I, I, I do I think 
we talked about Hall. We're going to have a love fest now about Big Ange and Spurs. We don't want to talk about United. Swear to God. This is the United way and we're talking about Bellingham. And, we're and talking about one. Spurs, Real Madrid rebuilding their team. Talking about Haaland and talking Haaland, about like yeah. getting robbed of a Ballon d'Or. But so that's how desperate we are. We're talking about a player everything else who plays for the you know, Our city rival. rivals. <laughs> we talked about, um, I, I think, I mean, again, going back to that Madrid team, if they signed someone like Haaland, and stuck him down the middle. Well, that yeah, and he's won everything there is to win. But this is the this is the thing, right? So there is that whole, you know, United had it back in the day when United come and knocking you answer. But Madrid just have that. They just have oh, they've that. Al- like, they've, they've always had it. They've always had it. They're just one of those iconic clubs yeah. that when they come knocking, it's very like I think Mbappe but, might be the only person. But when they came like, knocking for Ronaldo in two thousand and eight, you know. We kind of knew in their back of our heads. It was, he's not going this season. It was season, a formality. But it was a formality. He's going to leave in a season or two, yeah. and it ended up being the following season. It was simply a formality once yeah. they came looking for him, yeah. and it was the same as when they went for Bale. I think oh. Mbappe might be the only person, but it was just because, like, if Mbappe played for any other club other than PSG that didn't have like bottomless pockets to offer yeah. this guy, basically, all they were short down and saying, "Here, we'll name the Eiffel Tower after you, mate." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, What's he on a week? I don't know, I think he's one of the highest, I think Dave looked it up one week, I think he's the highest paid player in the world. It's like 800. Or, well, apart from now, all the, all the Saudi signings, but I'd say he's the highest paid player in Europe. I think it's near to a million a week. 890, so... The million euro a week. million euro a week. 52 million a year. Oh my God. At 24 years of age. That's obscene. I, ho- I hope he's paying For ser- subpar performances against Newcastle away in the Champions League. I hope he's paying serious tax on that. Just before we go as well, I just... I'm talking about it. It's anything but United in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that should be anything but United. That that, that's the, the title. title. The title for the podcast. Is Any, anything but United in the podcast. <laughs> um, Harry Kane's halfway line. Halfway line goal. Eight goals in, in second half or something that game was, wasn't it? I think it was nil all at half time. Yeah. <laughs> and they got a player sent off. Uh, Himmich got sent off in yeah. the first three minutes and I think they had two and uh, two got a yellow card right after and then I think the other team had two sending it off Darmstadt or something Darmstadt. Darmstadt I think they'd had a sending off and they might have had a second sending off someone can correct us I, I know I know we're but talking about Madrid and Bayern good. and everyone else Bayern. Bayern are the starting to cook they're the favourites for the Champions League this I season I think so yeah look I know they didn't decimate us the way you probably thought they would have but they're a team that you know well you can be sure they'll do it in a few weeks yeah, <laughs> but they're a team that don't need to slap you around 6-7-0 to show their dominance I know we're talking about Cairns going to half a line they won 8-0 in that mm. game but they're a team that like City did the other day beat you 3-0 but yeah. it's comprehensive them versus City that's a that's what a, a game oh, that'd be some game what a game if that's the Champions League final this season and Bayern win it and Bayern win it if Bayern City get to a Champions League if City win the Champions League back to back this is being called the cricket way or something I'm not talking about football ever again <laughs> I'm telling you straight out right. I'll, I'll watch ice hockey or something <laughs> NBA any, NFL figure skating bowls <laughs> bowls I'll do bowls go down to Gruntar there and watch the old people play bowls <laughs> right folks this has been the United way hopefully we'll um, have a bit of banter next week after we get a a scrapey 1-0 win against Fulham oh, <laughs> with a back four of Lindelof Evans Maguire Dallow might be injured and we might have to put someone else in there maybe Amrabat at right back <laughs> Mason, Mason Mount as a wing back Onana playing up front who, who knows episode 14 of the United Way folks and yeah we've Newcastle as well tonight and that could be up. a massacre if Newcastle are playing well they are playing well on like yeah yeah. If we played the way we did against City, 
Newcastle will carve us open. I think it'll be it's Halloween. It'll be a pumpkin carving. Oh yeah, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. This has been episode fourteen of the United Way. I am Damien Broderick and that is Al Foran. Who has managed not to do a single impression this week because he is all impression though from his trip to Riyadh where he was yeah. brush, brushing shoulders with the likes of McGregor, Fury, Rio Ferdinand. Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray, Cristiano Ronaldo, the original I Ronaldo. Met Brazilian Ronaldo. I saw, I saw, which you know what I was a bit annoyed about. Oh. McGregor had quite a few Instagram posts and everything else, and it was every single one of them was like zooming in. I was like, "Where's Al? Where's Al? Where's, where's Al?" <laughs> he wasn't actually at the dinner. No, not one, not one. Sorry, one. I know we've 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 wrapped the episode, but yeah, it was that was an experience. I got to do a gig with uh, Michael Buffer on stage on the Friday night Champions Gala dinner. Had a good chat with Rio about United. Let's just say Rio is quite unfiltered when it comes to talking about United compared to how he is on TNT Sports and he's well within his rights to be uh, frustrated about that but yeah it was crazy crazy all weekend and on that note congratulations to a crazy weekend in, in Riyadh we will be missing an episode next week folks yes. as I am off to Australia tomorrow for the Melbourne Cup so I will Man. be away next week. The Globetrotters. The Globetrotters, yeah. <laughs> the United Globetrotters. So as you can tell, me and, me and Al just run away <laughs> from our problems in, in what happens in, in Old Trafford. But we will see you in two weeks' time to talk about Fulham, to talk about Newcastle, and to talk about whatever else happens, happens in this yeah. soap opera of a club. So we shall see you then. See you, folks. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Light app.